Written in the Stars by Lisa Bryan Chapter 3 O Brave New World Edward took Bella back to the apartment before they set out so that she could change clothes. He used the button to call for Jacob and commanded him to find Bella's warmest clothing, and Bella could hardly contain her excitement. She was going to see the surface. The dark blue tunic and thick matching leggings that Jacob brought her were made out of some type of heavy soft wool and was as warm as a coat. The leggings had attached socks like a pair of footy pajamas. Bella was sweating by the time Edward finished wrapping her in shawls, scarves, a thick fur hat and mittens, over top of which went a heavy cape, also lined with fur. Neither he nor Tanya put on any extra clothing beside a pair of sandals, and Bella envied them. Jacob still knelt on the floor beside them. As soon as he had Bella bundled up to his satisfaction, Edward went to one of the trunks and retrieved what looked like a leash and a solid silver metal collar with engraved symbols. Edward blocked the collar around Jacob's neck and attached the leash, looping the end around his wrist. Edward! Bella gasped, shocked. What? I am bringing him to carry our packages should we make any purchases. Do you object to bringing him along? I can't believe this. You're making him wear a leash in color like a dog? She could tell Edward was trying to figure out exactly what she found to be so objectionable and was failing. I do not know what a dog is, he said tentatively. Only animals wear leashes in colors in my world, Bella said. He's not a pet. He's a person. He has to wear the color if we take him outside, Edward argued. It's the law. Bella closed her eyes and counted to ten. Can you please take the leash off? Edward removed it and said to Jacob sternly, Stay with us. Don't wander off. Yes, Emperor, Jacob said. When Edward turned away, Jacob gave Bella a little smile. They went up a long flight of carved stone stairs. Bella was puffing and exhausted by the time she'd climbed a third of the way, which she wasn't sure whether it was due to the higher gravity or having more layers than a burrito. Edward noticed that she was flagging and scooped her up, carrying her as though she weighed nothing. The room they entered after reaching the top of the stairs was something like a subway station. Apparently, the Emperor of the Nine Planets used public transportation. They waited on the platform, and it wasn't long before a vehicle arrived. Not the long joint cars of a train like Bella expected, but a single rectangular vehicle that moved silently on its track. It had no driver and no seats inside. Instead, there was a slightly raised platform of cushions in the center. Edward gently deposited Bella on the cushions and sat beside her, pulling up his legs Indian style. Jacob stayed on the floor, kneeling beside Tanya. There was a soft chime and the vehicle started moving, sliding silently through a long black tunnel before emerging into the bright sunlight. Bella bounced all over the cushions, as excited as a child, trying to see in all directions at once. They were approaching a city ahead, moving through fields and meadows. The plants were enormous. Bella had seen fossils of megaflora from ancient Earth, but seeing things like that in real life was staggering. Leaves she could have used as a boat, flowers taller than she was. They passed through a clump of trees, and Bella could only gape. They were massive making the redwoods of California look like matchsticks. Bella craned her neck as high as she could, but could not see their tops. At one point, the train passed through a tree, 
The tunnel was bored through the bottom of the enormous trunk. A massive insect the size of a cat landed on the window, and Bella jerked back with a little shriek. Okay, that was unsettling, but she supposed that if you had massive plants and massive animals, you'd get massive insects to go along with them. She suddenly felt more appreciative of the underground city. Farms dotted the countryside, most of them raising animals instead of crops. Bella was charmed by the circular houses, each capped by a conical roof. The most common animals she saw in the pastures were long-necked herbivores the size of elephants that Edward told her were called Kura. They had a placid temperament, he said, and their long, shaggy hair was woven into a cheap, durable cloth. He indicated the clothes that Jacob wore as an example. The train slowed as they entered the city. Though the streets were wide, she saw no other type of vehicles other than some small wagons pulled by drones. The train stopped at a small platform where a handful of people waited. Ah, here we are, Edward announced, scooping up Bella and exiting when the doors slid open, Tanya and Jacob silently trailing them. It was colder outside than Bella had expected, slightly above freezing with a sharp wind. Edward, with his bare arms and bare feet, did not seem to notice the chill, nor did Tanya, who only wore those loose pants. I thought you might enjoy visiting the market, Edward said. Bella peered around curiously. It was an open-air marketplace, much like she'd seen in travel films of the Middle East. The area teemed with people, shopping at the stalls. She recognized some of the alien types from the dining room, but others she'd never seen before and could hardly refrain from staring. There seemed to be endless variation of skin and hair colors. The main thing they held in common was their size. There were tall blue Denali here and there, all of which had hair. Bella glanced at Tanya's bald head and wondered if it was a fashion choice or whether she'd lost her hair due to illness. There were many people who recognized the emperor and his new fiancée, but they were held at bay by Tanya's fast, swinging staff. Out here in the open, people did not kneel when they saw him. They bowed their heads until he had passed. Everyone remained a respectful distance, but stared at Bella curiously. Several waved documents at him, petitions, and Jacob collected them. Edward promised each person that he would read and consider them. Edward walked slowly so that Bella could get a good look at the items for sale in each stall. He read the signs aloud to her and explained the items she'd never seen. What's that? Bella asked, pointing to an item he'd skipped. That's a tail extender, he said, looking a little embarrassed. Guaranteed to extend the length and girth of your tail or your money refunded, he read. Bella hid a grin. She guessed men were the same no matter what planet they were on. They found a table that sold items imported from Earth, and Bella asked Edward to buy her a hairbrush and toothbrush. The latter made him curious because his people cleaned their teeth by chewing on strips of leather. They had no crevices for food to be trapped in the way human teeth did. Bella explained cavities and dentists, and he found the idea of a person whose sole job was scraping other people's teeth to be very amusing. To pay for their purchases, he inserted something that looked like a thumb drive into a slot on the vendor's table. A panel slid back to reveal a touchscreen on which he pressed his thumb, holding it until the device beeped. The vendor bowed and thanked them. As they stepped away, the vendor was instantly besieged by people demanding to know what the Alpha Prima had purchased, grabbing hairbrushes and toothbrushes of their own. Bella supposed this just proved that Edward had been right about the power of her celebrity on the economy. She saw many drones in the crowd, all of them wearing colors, some of them with leashes held by their owners. 
Bella's blood boiled, but she said nothing. She wasn't prepared, however, for the drone auction. I can't watch this, she said to Edward, turning her face away from the pitiful sight of a group of drones seated in a pen constructed of inward slanting spikes, brought out one by one to be sold to the bidding crowd. She saw one woman openly fondle the drone that stood on the stage, leering and joking with her friends about its attributes and potential for pleasing a woman. They walked on, and Bella vowed silently to herself that she would find some way to end this barbarity. They turned the corner and went down the next row of stalls. One of them was manned by a creature that had a head like a doberman with long floppy ears. It's Anubis, Bella thought, and wondered if it was possible that creatures like these had visited Earth at some time in the past, inspiring the ancient Egyptians to worship them as gods. The stall had cages containing dozens of the most adorable little creatures Bella had ever seen. Smaller than her fist, they looked a good deal like bush babies, with their huge eyes and hand-like paws. They had fur that was a dark, dusky mauve and bushy tails. Bella squealed. Edward, stop here. I want to look at them. She smiled at the dog-headed stall owner. Do they bite? No, Alpha, they do not. The response came from a drone kneeling on the ground beside the stall, his color chained to one of the supports. He bowed his head. Please pardon me for answering without being bid, but my master cannot speak as you do. His owner looked down at him with a fond expression and patted him on the head. They're called Zorb, Edward told her. They live in our forests. Bella stuck a finger through one of the cages to stroke the little creature's fur, as soft as a duckling's down. It wrapped its little hands around her finger, sniffing with its tiny pink nose, and Bella cooed at it. The owner opened the door of its cage and removed the tiny creature and handed it to Bella. It climbed her cape to nestle at her neck, hiding in her hair. Bella giggled, and Edward's tail flicked in pleasure at the sound. Oh, Edward, they're so sweet, she gushed. They are delicious, Edward agreed. Pick out a few nice fat ones and we'll have them for dinner tonight. Bella gasped in horror. You eat them? Edward's tail drooped. You are angry with me again. No, it's just... They're so cute. Bella knew she was being silly. Was it really any different to eat a cow or a pig? But the thought of these adorable little things ending up in someone's stew pot tonight made her want to cry. Edward sighed. He put his money chip into the slot and said, All of them. The owner plucked them out of their cages, one by one, dropping them into a large cloth sack. Edward handed it to Jacob. Go release these in the tree line, he ordered. Bella threw her arms around Edward's neck. Thank you, Edward. That was so nice of you. He looked down into her shining eyes. Anything to make you happy, he said. Can I keep this one? Bella asked, removing the sorb that was climbing her ear. If you like. Edward took one of the cages and put the little creature inside. They waited for Jacob to return with the empty sack, and then he handed the cage to Jacob to carry. Edward brushed Bella's cheek with his hand and frowned. You are cold. I'm fine, Bella argued, not wanting to leave such an interesting place. Edward headed away from the market. We must get you inside so you can warm up. Each of the buildings they passed had the same circular floor plan as the farmhouses, surrounded by an expanse of grass and decorative plants. They apparently had an abhorrence for crowded urban centers. 
She thought of the inner cities at home, the buildings packed tightly together, not a blade of grass in sight, the trash, the graffiti. The only litter she saw on the streets here were leaves. After a distance of a few blocks, Edward turned into a round building that sat in the corner. I thought you might enjoy seeing this, he said, stopping in a small vestibule. It's one of our libraries. He stood her on her feet and opened the second set of doors. A Voltori, sitting at a low desk by the door, said, Sir, you will have to leave your drone here. Edward turned to him, and the man gasped, falling to his knees. Pardon me, please, Emperor. I, I did not recognize you. Of course, you may take your drone inside. Edward was untroubled. Do not fret. Rules are the same for everyone, even an emperor. He pointed to a spot by the desk. Jacob, stay here. Why can't drones go into the library? Bala asked. It seemed everywhere she turned, there was another example of the inequality in their society. She knew she shouldn't judge them by American standards, but everything within her objected to the idea of slavery. Primarily to cut down on traffic, Edward answered, putting Bella down on her feet so that she could explore. At peak times, it can be very crowded in here. There's no reason why drones would need to be inside. Most of them cannot read. The center of the room was occupied by low, wide tables with built-in computer screens. Around the walls, there were rows of labeled bins containing piles of scrolls. Most of our books today are electronic, Edward told Bella but there are some people who prefer the original format. This floor is for Volturi books. He plucked a scroll out of a bin and opened it. Bella tentatively touched it and discovered that it was a type of thin cloth, not paper. Have any of them been translated into English? She asked. Mostly the classics, I believe, Edward replied, replacing the scroll in the bin. Can you have some of them put on my reader? She asked. As you could tell, he was pleased that she wanted to read his culture's literature. On the second floor, there were shelves that contained books from the other worlds, including books from Earth. Bella plucked a book from the shelf, a collection of National Geographic photography. Can you check this out? She wanted to share some of her world with Edward. Back at the desk, the Voltoria librarian scanned a spot on the book that looked like a QR code, and Edward inserted his money chip into the slot. He passed the book to Jacob to carry, and they headed back out onto the street. Pardon me, Alpa Prima, Tanya said. Bella jumped in surprise to hear that deep, echoing voice. Yes, Tanya? I would like to visit the temple if I may, she said. Certainly. I'd like to see it as well. She was curious about their religion. The temple was only two buildings down the street. From the outside, it appeared no different than any other structure. Inside, it was illuminated by a skylight, the pool of light falling onto a table in the center, which bore a large metal bowl in which a small fire burned. On the table beside it were pieces of paper and what appeared to be crayons. Around the walls were statues and altars of differing kinds. A handful of worshippers were scattered around them, some praying with their hands spread before them, others kneeling, and one woman appeared to be making a sacrifice of her own blood, cutting open her palm and letting it drip into the fire on the altar. This isn't just for one religion, is it? Bella asked, keeping her voice low. It is a temple where all may come and worship in their own way, Edward said. Religious freedom is a right guaranteed to all citizens of the Federation. Which altar belongs to your religion? Edward led her over to the statue of a plump woman who appeared to be Volturi, as she had a tail and claws. This is the mother of all, he said and gave the idol a respectful bow. 
Edward, what a wonderful surprise. A little man in a long, light blue robe approached them and knelt before them. He was the only person besides herself and Emmet that used Edward's given name instead of his title. He was very handsome, almost as good-looking as Edward in her opinion, with light blonde hair and chiseled features. Is this the Alpha Prima? Edward told him to rise. Bella, this is Carlyle. He is my... Edward thought about how to explain it. He stands in place of my father. Bella nodded. My people call it a godfather. Did you have a godmother as well? Carlyle's eyes shone. My beloved maid Esme. She is an earthling as well. The two men entwined their tails as they spoke, which Bella supposed was a gesture of affection. They fell into a discussion of the rebellion, Edward asking Carlyle's opinion on a proposed treaty. Bella excused herself, much more interested in exploring the temple. She wandered away, studying the various statues and their altars. The temple was warm, too warm to wear as many layers as she was. She took off her cloak, and Jacob was instantly at her side to take it from her. She gave him a smile of thanks and continued her exploration. On the far wall, she found a Christian altar, a large Bible open on its surface, and a large cross bearing a suffering Christ. She stood before the familiar image for a long moment. Is that your God? Edward asked, rejoining her after saying his goodbyes to Carlyle. Ostensibly, Bella said. I guess the best way to put it is to say that it's the God of my people, but I was never very observant. What happened to him? Edward regarded the image with horror. She supposed the image of a dying, agonized man did look odd compared to their icons, plump and jolly gods of plenty, gentle-looking mother gods and fierce warrior gods. Bella tried to distill the complex tale down to a few sentences, hitting the major plot points of Adam and Eve, the tree of knowledge and the concept of original sin, for which a sacrifice had to be made. Your God had to come down to earth as a human, so humans could kill him to pay for the evil that the God put inside them? Edward's voice was careful, but she could tell he thought it was extremely bizarre. Well... God didn't put the evil inside humans. It came from the first people eating from the tree God told them not to touch. If he didn't want them to touch it, why did he not put it in a place they could not reach it? Was it a trick? Something like that, Bella replied, giving up. They walked around to look at the other altars, Edward giving a brief summary of each religion that worshipped there. Bella wondered if he was having as difficult a time in summarizing as she did. They stopped behind Tanya, who was still praying at her altar. Behind it was a somewhat confusing image of a woman apparently giving birth to an ocean. Tanya finished her prayers and pressed a kiss to the altar's surface. She saw Bella's curiosity and seemed pleased by it. This is the mistress of the waters, Alpha Prima. As water sustains life, so she sustains all living things. I was dedicated to her as a child, and now I serve as one of her priests. It was the most Bella had ever heard Tanya say, which must be a testament to how important her faith was to her. Please, do not be offended if my question is rude, but you didn't have a choice? If I did not have an affinity for service, I could have left as an adult, Tanya replied, seeming unruffled by Bella's query. My talent lay in the martial arts, and so I was trained to protect. It is a high honor to serve one such as yourself, Alpha Prima.
I took vows before the mistress that I would protect you with my very life. By serving those important to our people's well-being, we serve the mistress. Edward draped Bella's cape around her shoulders. We have to return home now, Bella. Our time grows short. They headed for the door, and Edward stopped at the table in the center, which bore the bowl of flames. Write down your prayer, Bella, and put it into the fire. She watched as Edward wrote a series of symbols, and then dropped the paper into the flames. Bella considered for a moment, and then wrote, Please help me be a good empress. She folded the slip of paper and dropped it into the flames. A little puff of purple smoke rose from the burning slip. Edward's tail flicked. Your prayer pleased the mother, he said. Bella was of a more skeptical bent. She imagined that the priests probably treated some of the slips of paper with a chemical to make the smoke appear every now and then, but she wasn't about to express those doubts when Edward looked so pleased on her behalf. Jacob edged over to the altar. He could not write, so he held the paper to his lips and whispered to it, dropping it into the flames. On the walk back, Edward pointed to a large building on the corner of a street branching off to their left. That was my school, he said. It was where I learned how to fight, how to govern, and how to please women. Bella thought that last bit had to be a mistranslation, but decided not to ask for elaboration. Alice had said he was a virgin, but not without experience. That left a lot of possibilities. Bella found, to her surprise, that thinking of Edward with another woman made her burn with jealousy. She pushed the thought away hastily. They rode the one-car train back to the underground city and stopped at their quarters so that Bella could change her clothes again. Edward said he had a council meeting and he would like her to attend it with him. It must have been important, because the green tunic Jacob brought her was lined at the color with green gemstones at the neckline and the wrists, and he also brought her a matching set of the Empress jewels. Bella brushed her hair and pushed it back with a tiara. She had to admit, they were very pretty. She returned to their bedroom in time to watch Edward remove his sandals with a sigh of pleasure, wiggling his bare feet in the air. She noticed for the first time that his feet had smaller versions of the claws on his hands. Her own feet were bare again, a situation she did not find as pleasurable as Edward apparently did. He had changed his clothes as well, now wearing a white embroidered vest and loose beige pants. He had even made an attempt to tame his rusty brown hair, but, as always, it was an exercise in futility. Jacob was tasked with putting away all of Bella's wraps and getting food for her new pet Sorb. Bella couldn't resist giving it a little snuggle before they left. Through the winding hallways they walked. Bella getting thoroughly lost again, and finally reached a large set of doors. He nodded at Tanya, and she strode forward to rap three times on the door with her staff. The doors opened, held back by a drone on either side. Bella stifled a little gasp upon seeing how many people were seated inside. The Emperor of the Nine and the Alpha Prima, Tanya called. There was a dais in the center of the room with two plump cushions atop it. Surrounding the dais were rows upon rows of people in concentric circles, and it seemed that all eyes were on her. Bella swallowed. When Edward had said council, she expected a few close advisors in a small meeting. This was an audience with a court. And anxiety clenched her stomach. What if she did something wrong? She wanted to duck behind Edward and hide. She forced herself to stand still and stand up straight. She couldn't embarrass Edward by appearing weak or cowardly. What would Queen Elizabeth I do? 
Bella had read a biography of her a few months ago, and she'd always admired her. Elizabeth Tudor would march in there like she owned the place. And she was only queen of half an island. Bella was going to be the empress of nine planets. Edward's tail stroked the back of her neck. She looked up at him and smiled, grateful for the small comfort. They took their seats on the dais, Tanya kneeling behind them. Her usual serenity was gone, and she seemed tense and taut as a strong wire. Her eyes continually scanned the audience for signs of suspicious movement. When Edward spoke, his eyes was calm but firm, carrying to all. The matter before us today is the proposed treaty with poor Tangelis. They will agree to cease supplying the rebels if we lower the tariffs on their trade goods. And bankrupt our own merchants in the process, someone called. There were a few voices which rumbled in agreement. I say we hit them with trade sanctions for supplying the rebels in the first place. On what grounds? Edward asked. They are not our subjects. We have no authority to tell a sovereign planet with whom they may trade. They approached us with this treaty idea as a courtesy. And on it went, point and counterpoint. Edward turned to Bella. What do you think? Bella stammered a bit. I, uh, I... She stiffened her spine. Think of what Queen Elizabeth would do. He seemed genuinely interested in her opinion. Maybe you could negotiate for the tariffs to be lowered on only certain items, things which our merchants do not specialize in, where it will have as little economic impact on our own people as possible. Edward patted her leg. An excellent idea. I will speak with the ambassador. Has anyone else anything they wish to add? Bella was surprised at being asked her opinion, especially since she wasn't well versed in the issues facing the Federation, but Edward seemed to feel that her input was important. It was obvious he expected her to be a ruler, not just a pretty accessory, someone who attended ribbon-cutting ceremonies and held charity balls. It was an enormous responsibility, and Bella was, frankly, terrified. How many times had she criticized politicians for being out of touch, for not caring or having sufficient foresight to see how their decisions would impact their constituents? Despite their differences, it seemed that people everywhere had the same fundamental needs, drives, and wants. She could do this. It would take time to learn about their laws in society, but she knew she could do it. Because she cared, as Edward had said. When the meeting adjourned, Tanya flew up to Bella's side and stayed there, as tight as a conjoined twin. She hadn't seemed this worried when they were at the market. Bella wondered what Tanya knew that she did not. A few men lingered to talk with Edward. Edward greeted one of them, a man who had been quite vocal in favor of sanctions against the Portangelis. Aro, Edward said, it is good to see you. How is Sulpicia? Has she had her baby yet? Aro's shoulders drooped. When he spoke, his voice was so low that Bella could barely hear him. Sulpicia is as well as could be expected, Emperor. The baby was... The baby was a drone. Edward hung his head. I am sorry. He laid his hand in comfort on our shoulder, as if the man had said his child had died. Bella? She turned toward the sound of the voice. Emmet, she said. Hi, how are you? Well, he replied. His eyes traveled over her form and lingered on her lips. I didn't get a chance to speak with you much at breakfast. There was a flash of resentment in his eyes. Um... 
Edward and I had a busy day, she said. I wanted to court you, Emmett said, his voice low. Now I'll never get the chance. You'll fall in love with him and take him as your mate. Everyone loves Edward, but if I had a chance, Emmett... Edward's voice was cold. Emmett froze, but his eyes, those achingly sad eyes, stayed on Bella. I need to speak to you. Edward's eyes narrowed when his brother did not move. Now, Emmett. Edward drew him far enough away that Bella could not hear their conversation. Edward was angry, Emmett contrite and sad. Emmett's demeanor turned pleading, and Edward's firm with refusal. Pardon, Alpha Prima. Bella tore her eyes away reluctantly from the two brothers. Yes, Tanya? Do you require my presence tonight? Bella knew what she was asking. Did Bella trust Edward enough to sleep in the nest with him, without Tanya as a chaperone? Bella thought about it, only for a moment. No, I don't need you. I trust him. Tanya nodded. He is a good man, Alpha Prima. He would make a good mate for you. Bella was starting to believe that herself. Emmett left the room, dejected, without speaking to Bella again. Edward came back to her side. I am sorry for that, he said. I feel sorry for him, Bella said softly. Lauren had said that Edward would think he was in love with her because nature designed them that way. The feelings might not be what Bella would consider real love, but it was obvious Emmett was hurting. As they walked back to their quarters, Bella asked Edward, What will happen to Aro's baby? In cases like this, the baby is usually given to a drone crash where it will be raised and trained by the staff. But that is terrible. They don't want to keep their baby just because he was a drone? Bella, it is something that most families find shameful. Very few will keep and raise a drone, for it is nothing more than a constant reminder of their failure. Is it something that could happen to anyone? Edward considered. That is what medical science tells us, that any alpha pregnancy has a 1 in 20 chance of producing a drone, and the numbers are higher for betas, but it is more prone in some family lines than others. My family has never produced a drone. His voice held a hint of pride. If there are many drones born to a line, their men are dropped to tend off the waiting list for mates. Bella felt a chill of fear. What would happen if her child was a drone? Would Edward force her to give it away? Bella didn't think she could possibly endure that. She wrapped her arms around herself and followed him down the hall. Yet another question she would not ask for fear of the answer.